Chapter twenty of From Sunrise Land Letters from Japan by Amy Carmichael. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter twenty On with the Message. O come, let us go and find them, for in fair Japan they roam. At the close of the day, twill be sweet to say we have brought some lost ones home. June 2nd. We are passing through a pretty bit of country. All around are reaches of golden cornfields, interspersed with patches of dark green tatami rush, young rice in vivid emerald, bean and eggplants in soft electric. Dotted about are little brown-roofed homesteads, hedged with flowering shrubs and pine. It was too sad to pass them and too hot to go to them, so we have hit on a compromise and dispatched our kuruma men with tracks for each house, we are awaiting their return by the wayside. We have been trying to concoct some sort of shade out of our kuruma hoods, and now, sitting down in the bottom of mine, I am scribbling away to you. We are kurumaing today because it was too far to walk in the heat, and we have promised a meeting at Imaichi tonight. It is pleasant on the road just now. The scents are reduced to a minimum, and the flowers are a continual joy. I wish I could paint them, sweet fragrance and all, and waft them over to you. There are varieties of spirea and clematis. Lilies are beginning, purple and white iris grow in pools by the wayside. The hedges are full of honeysuckle, dutsia, syringa, any quantity still of azalea, and here and there a stray trail of wisteria. The woods echo with the trill of the nightingale, which warbles in a sort of intermittent whistle. One looks up through it all to him and marvels at the infinite resourcefulness lying behind such lavish loveliness. The towns and villages are rich in fair things, too. Fern balls hang from cottage eaves, large pots of spring chrysanthemum, purple or white iris, late peony or dwarf rose adorn the pretty rooms, and as the paper walls are all wide open now, we can see many a dainty bit of colour as we pass. Sometimes a bamboo joint hung outside the wall with a spray of blossom in it is the only decoration. Sometimes an old rootlet or gnarled pine branch is grouped with a bit of opening bud by way of contrast of idea. There is no end to the devices of these beauty-loving people. The merest hut has a graceful touch about it. How very hot it is! The languid air hardly inflates the great paper fishes, which hang from a tall bamboo in front of the nearest cottage. For the boys' festival is not over yet, and from every house where within the last seven years one has been born, this signal of joy stands forth. The fish is emblematic of indomitable perseverance, from the Chinese story of the carp which swam up the waterfall. Emson tells me, so boys must be brave like them, therefore it is their sign. One comes across the design in scrolls with all manner of variation, and the colouring often is capital. Beside the fishes on the pole there is a long white flag, emblazoned with various grotesqueries, in which the military idea predominates. In March the little girls were feted. The shops were cleared and crammed with dolls and models of life from the Mikado's court in the olden time down to the rustic of today and the children were dressed in their gayest and played about in their pretty demure way, so much for beautiful, fanciful old Japan. Alas for the day when it shall be foreign, devoted to top hats, stiff collars, and kids. Later. 
We have reached our destination for the next day or two. And now, while M. san interchanges greetings and communications endless with her friends in the little room below, I turn once more to you. How powerless distance is to separate. Though F. R. H.'s lovely lines deal with one unmeasured by miles, they often come to me, for our goodbye has only parted us a little while, and has not severed e'en the finest strand in the eternal cable of our love. The very strain has twined it closer still and added strength. How we praise him for it all, praise him for such a privilege, praise him for trusting us so. It is raining now, and the great drops fall with a refreshing splash, but to our sorrow this means no meeting, so I may go on writing. Isan was married to Ensan last week, and perhaps you would like to hear about the wedding. The deed and its accessories took eight hours to get through. First came the knot-tying. The poor bridegroom had to march up the church all alone and stand in solemn solitude for about three minutes, while the congregation looked on and admired his back. Then there was a rustle, and with a face betokening speedy dissolution, the little bride came in and trembled up beside him. The service was simple and earnest. We knew the master was with us as he was with the guests at Cana. After this we all repaired to a large, cool, beautiful place near the lake where the marriage feast was to be held. All down the long room cushions were placed, and before each was set a tray containing nine dishes, a pair of chopsticks, and a general air of dainty arrangement as to color and contents, charming to the eye, if not to the palate. Then the guests seated themselves. A blessing was asked, not in the hurried western style, but with a reverence which allows time for it to be given. And then all began, or the Japanese did. We waited by common accord till we saw the way the thing should be done, and then we followed our betters. First one bowl lid was lifted, then another. But I pass over the next few minutes and devote myself to an analysis. Remember this was a feast of the first magnitude, such as only comes once in a blue moon, to quote one of our respected members. First, rice in a bowl of black lacquer decorated with storks in gold. Second, fish soup with floating eggs, this in red lacquer relieved with bamboo tips in gold. Third, a mixture of fish, egg, and vegetable in a china vase such as we use for roses. Fourth, pickled fish and tiny orange-like things cooked in sugar, a curly china dish held these colors crimson and blue contents brown and yellow fifth sliced raw fish garnished with pink seaweed and scraps of pretty oddments sixth daikon a sort of gone radish root eschewed by barbarous foreigners seventh roast fish this even we appreciated it reposed in blue china of graceful design eighth fish paste white rings with pink edges carried away in papers by most this is quite the correct thing fortunately for us ninth bamboo shoots pickled in vinegar various vegetables likewise dealt with also there was a tiny cup of bean sauce used as condiment to the condiments and there were numberless little additions also of course tea and cakes now how would you enjoy a japanese feast i have forgotten the clothes an item of some importance, I suppose, in such affairs. Both were sheathed in silk, Ensan in white and silver gray, Isan in white, navy blue, and black. 
the japanese idea of a worthy costume is something rich and chaste no show but everything thoroughly good at first i was haunted with wonderings is it right to spend time so is it right to go in for feasts and silks when the world pressing all around us is dying darkly dying at last peace came in the remembrance that this marriage gladness pictured the coming of the king the bride prepared to meet him the joy of the espousals the king's daughter is all glorious within our little bride's inner things were as pure as her outer her clothing is of wrought gold she shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love the bride eyes not her garment but her dear bridegroom's face i will not gaze on glory but on my king of grace not on the crown he giveth but on his pierced hand the lamb is all the glory of emmanuel's land i really think i am beginning to understand something of the meaning of the truth symbolized by the fact that the tabernacle rested upon the desert the heavenlies above us are open and yet we dwell upon the sand i was up there a moment ago all forgetful of such earthly things as food when a voice recalled me it spoke in japanese and it spoke as follows the man has come with the chicken for you all right don't you want to see it remembering late experiences i answered decidedly no thanks but perhaps it won't be the kind you want oh any kind will do but here i cut all further expostulations short with a desperate explanation so and with a shrug of surprise i know though the floor intervening obstructs the view preparations are made below silence then a scuffle and then oh dreadful a step on the stairs a voice which cannot be ignored look and parts of the interior machinery of that unlucky victim are displayed to view upon a plate what am i to do with them throw them away another oh and i am left in peace but the heavenly strains of glory glory dwelleth sound faint and far away dispersed by forced reflections upon to-morrow's dinner one little showing of his hand i think is worth the telling you remember about that day some weeks old now when i almost missed the leading and how in his love he took his rightful place again and led us straight to the pilgrim shrine in the priest's house a few days afterwards a card of thanks came from the head priest who had been out at the time and a request to call again so we went and were welcomed first tea and cakes in the usual fashion were set forth and we partook then to our great surprise a maid appeared with two little lacquer trays containing rice and the etceteras for we had honourably deigned to come a long way and our honourable insides must not remain empty was it not kind we don't expect such attentions anywhere least of all in a priest's house and then we had a long talk which ended in their renewing their promise to read and study our holy book and to pray to be led into the truth that little word pray opened the door into wide questioning how did we pray how did we know our god heard did he answer were no propitiatory offerings needful we never liked to close such a conversation without then and there kneeling down and speaking to the great subject and object of it all in this case when we proposed it the priest exclaimed at once oh this room is far too unworthy and the silkworm's leaves are here in a corner lay a pile of mulberry in such a mean place would your god honourably deign to hear it seemed so strange to him that indeed he would 
and not only so but that he had already heard every word we had spoken and seen every thought unspoken and knew us through and through we knelt then the two priests standing respectfully oh pray that they may learn to kneel to the god who loves them so june fifth tea time with you in the chill before the dawning between the night and morning with us and leaning out of the open window i watch the first faint shine in the east and think of you what strangely binary things we are the shell where our spirits dwell in their wondrous antenatal cell may spend the hours in weary tosses under a mosquito net while the inhabitant thereof the real me is peacefully pillowed far above enjoying itself immensely the long hot night so nearly over now has been full of songs for me and tired in body but glad in spirit o lord we adore and we bless thee that we in thy hands of might are the chords whereupon thou makest the music of thy delight whereon thou wilt sound forever in wondrous and glorious tone the name of thy son beloved his name alone o oh, to know him if in this going forth with him we emptied our hands of all life's treasures if forever after all we love and all we prize should vanish quite away should time be counted lost strength drained life spelled a failure it would be worth it a thousand times if through it all we knew him better his love it hath neither brim nor bottom it is like himself i go to fathom it with my arms but it is as if a child would take the globe of sea and land in his two short arms there are curtains to be drawn by in christ that we never saw and new foldings of love in him i despair that i shall ever win to the far end of that love there are so many plies in it so wrote samuel rutherford and now he has had two hundred years with the lord of his love and one day we too shall see the king in his beauty oh the blessed joy of meeting all the desert past oh the wondrous words of greeting he shall speak at last he and i in that bright glory one deep joy shall share mine to be forever with him his that i am there to return to our little tour we had happy meetings in imaichi and then went on to the village where our friend of the straw rope lived knowing that as it had been helped in the flood time it would be peculiarly open to us but the campaign closed with an ignominious flight we were literally chased out by things etc and remembering that he who fights and runs away may live to fight another day we beat a hasty retreat and somewhere about midnight started for matsuya we had a queer weird ride among firefly lit fields and dark still pine groves once a blaze of bright red flame rose suddenly before us and i was glad our ponies were bipeds for no four-legged animal could have stood that without blinking as it was we trotted on exchanging salutations with a band of peasants homeward bound who bore by way of lanterns huge bundles of lighted fur june eighth once more we are on the wing a message followed us to yonango begging us to return to imaichi so we are here again back from the meeting such a large one and as quiet as possible numbers of men listen throughout though few houses are open for visiting yet a good work of broadcast seed-sowing is being done, and Efson will reap if he faint not. Tomorrow we go to a village a mile or so distant, where no one has ever been. We went, and after a long wait in a beautiful open room, numbers of people gathered. 
when we arrived the little tapers and incense sticks were burning in two rows upon the ancestral tablet shelf after we had been bowed in regaled with tea questioned as to our honourable name age occupation country relations and antecedents a flicker of the meaning of the whole thing seemed to light up the family mind they looked at each other father mother grown-up sons then the head of the household rose and to my great surprise calmly blew out all the idle lights and sat down again when the guests one by one appeared they were welcomed as we had been for though this large room or set of rooms thrown into one had been regularly arranged for by f son upon a business basis all who came were treated as visitors and when paying time came there was quite a polite palaver before the neatly folded up money would be accepted finally we began and went on for nearly two hours then we gave a breathing space for questions where did our god live what was his name and a great many more too irreverent sounding though not so meant to write it was late when we left them and one of them walked back with us seemingly interested but what does that mean more than it sounds perhaps more likely less for satan has fowls always on the wing and the sun of scorn shrivels many a quick-sprung seed and the cares and pleasures of life choke the word oftentime will any of it find good ground wherein to lodge strike root and grow god knows but more truly such work as this is not even sowing seed the soil is hard and full of weeds there is much to be done before ever a seed can be cast praise god by his holy spirit we know this preparatory work is often done ere we come with our message something in my heart tells me what you say is true something answers yes to it so said one who for the first time listened but this is rare is it because we do not walk in the spirit enough to be led of the spirit straight to such spirit prepared ones how much he must have to forgive before he can use us at all once more it is night the great heathen town has gone to sleep and all is still and dark as one sits alone in the quiet room too tired to sleep as yet one seems to feel the shadow of a darker darkness a deeper slumber brooding over the place and all around it is so and thinking wider it is so this great round world seems rolling on away from the love-light of god one by one its lands pass before me africa think of it think of its heroes think of its woes every minute sees two of its millions die the cruel helpless hopeless death of a slave think of its needs words cannot word them china well do we know the line a million a month in china are dying without god what do we grasp of its meaning what do we feel of it india with her twenty million widows that alone were enough to touch any woman heart surely japan with its thirty millions unreached as yet god's islands of the sea where'er they be and the hermit land and the indian's home in the far northwest the forgotten land in the farther south but name them one cannot and what need we know them on our map but do we know them in our heart think of them all dishonouring him to-night full of sorrow and sin to-night wrapped in the death-gloom to-night how can we be so cool about it is it because we are so cool we have ceased to see the old world miracles the conquests which told for god we seem to be making no headway not one inch oh it is hard to work for god to rise and take his part upon this battlefield of earth and not sometimes lose heart
truthful faber it is just so but praise him even as one writes the next few verses instinct with courage ring through one workmen of god o lose not heart but learn what god is like and in the darkest battlefield thou shalt know where to strike thrice blessed is he to whom is given the instinct that can tell that god is on the field when he is most invisible as he can endless glory weave from what men reckon shame he in his own world is content to play a losing game for right is right since god is god and right the day must win to doubt would be disloyalty to falter would be sin End of chapter 20, recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.